It takes an extraordinary team to embark on an extraordinary mission. WealthVest presents the 99 Best Marketing Ideas, a podcast dedicated to bringing financial advisors the most cutting-edge marketing strategies. Listen in as your fellow advisors share their top ideas to help you conquer your marketing needs. Hello and welcome to another 99 Best Ideas podcast brought to you by WealthFest. Now today, we have Lonnie Gordon-Ogulnick, an author and the CEO of Gordon Wealth. As you all know, when we bring somebody on the 99 Best Ideas podcast, our whole goal is to have the advisors and the people in the financial services industry talk to us about what truly makes them unique and different and what marketing ideas they're using that you can also use within your practice to grow and to help you really differentiate yourself from the advisor down the street. So Lonnie, welcome to the show. What's going on? How's everything? Uh, everything is fantastic. You know, there's you have a lot of depth to you. I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you about your book. But if you don't mind, I want to take a trip down kind of memory lane here, which why did you even get into financial services? Uh, good question. So uh, if we go down memory lane, you know, I was a kid. I remember at, what, seven, eight years old, arguing with a coach that I had, and they said, you should be a lawyer. So <laughs> that gift for gab kind of was very early, uh, very stubborn in my ways and my thoughts, and I would argue that point. Uh, 12, 13 years old, I was an avid uh, baseball card collector. I started doing shows at the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, so you know that entrepreneurial spirit, I had you know big plaques in the back of my booth. Everybody would come to my booth. I would do little packages so that people could, uh, you know, pay a dollar, maybe get a Don Mattingly rookie card. So that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, started very young. Fast forward after college, um, I kept hearing, "You should be a stockbroker. You should be a stockbroker." Now, if one person tells you something, you ignore them. If two, three, four, five, you perk up and you listen. Mm -hmm. So after a few trials and errors, you know, uh, getting regular jobs, I said I was going to go get my Series Seven and take a stab at the financial world, which was really my passion. I just was a little nervous about that Series 7 test, so I uh, held off for about a year. Yeah, that test is a bear, man. I mean, that's so many people, just that that's so prohibitive. We could have so many more people in our industry if they wouldn't make that so horrifically difficult. But how long ago was that? I mean, how long have you been an advisor? So I started in August 1997. Oh. I passed my Series 7, and... Uh, I remember vividly I was running around my house like a chicken without a head, just, you know, pure joy yeah. um, passing that exam. Definitely uh, uh, put a stamp um, of approval that, yeah, you can go out now and work for any company you want in the world, yeah. not worry about any resumes. Yeah, that's a, that is a huge pass. Now let's talk about continuing the education a lot of times when a financial advisor uh, gets their seven, uh, it's such a bear of a test that they don't do anything for a while. What sort of continuing education have you done since then? And what about that continuing education do you believe makes you fundamentally unique and different as an advisor? Well, ironically, I, I, I was never a good student. I would put myself in that C student category. So that's why I was so nervous about this exam. Once I passed that exam, the light bulb went off in my head and I was like, you actually have a brain. You're, you're pretty smart. So once I had the confidence and the ability to realize I was smart, um, the firm I was working for at the time said, um, if you take this test, the 24, you could be a manager. So boom, took the 24. 
Then a New York stock exchange firm bought us, so I had to take the nine and the 10 to continue to be the sales manager of the whole New York City office. So I took the nine and 10. Then after the crisis of 2002, 2003, I moved everything over to fee base. So then I had to take my Series 65. Um, so I have the 9, 10, 24, uh, 65. Uh, I have my real estate exam. I recently passed the certification for behavioral finance. That's, some, that's something that hit home. Um, so you know, there's about seven or eight different exams that I took. I think once you actually pass one, you learn how to take those exams. Mm. Um, you know, take, Taking the real estate exam was just something I did because I did have a passion for real estate and had a few properties to sell. But um, I'm always trying to sharpen the sword. Uh, that's something that I, uh, I now enjoy doing just as a hobby. So um, contemplating the CFP next, but uh, that's just a matter of time with a nine and 10 year that nine and 12 year old kid is gets a little bit time consuming. So <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. Uh, you got to balance the whole family thing with, with everything else. Let's talk about the behavioral, you know, financial advisor, that, that behavioral designation and certification. What, what motivated you to do that? I mean, what was, what was, uh, and, and how has that helped you if it has? Well, behavioral finance kind of goes hand in hand with why I wrote my book, um, I really think I got into this business going back to your earlier question was, um, you know, I, I have a true passion to help people and, uh, behavioral finance starts with getting the person right, getting the behavior, right. Really, you know, understanding a person's goal for their life. You know, the secondary part is the money. You know, if we can get somebody's, you know, mindset, right feeling good, waking up every day, you know, maybe I convince a client to get out and, you know, take a walk, do a run, do a boot camp. That all is incorporated into the financial you know, planning that I do. Um, you want to make sure you're starting out with the financial uh, insurance aspect. If that's covered, you know, the stocks, mutual funds is pretty much the last, you know, the ETFs and then speculative investing would be the last criteria on the spectrum. But uh, behavioral finance for, for me, especially is about your life and making sure your, your behavior at every aspect from your family, whether you're a parent, getting all of those specific things, right. And what I do is I lead by example. I really try and focus on that aspect of my career, my personal life. So that attracts clients when they see you're living that way. Um, it does bring in new clients, regardless of performance, if you outperform or underperform, um, you're helping their livelihood and their, and their lives. And they, they feel that. So, well, now books are a double-edged sword. You talked about sharpening the sword just a minute ago. I've heard advisors who think it was the greatest thing that they ever did. Uh, but I rarely have anybody in the middle. So it's either, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I did it or man, that was a really expensive time suck. Where are you at with the book? And and when you think about giving advice to other financial services professionals, do you think that a book is a, a great marketing tool or and or how to use it? So there's a bunch of questions there. So I think a book is today's business card um, for a financial advisor you know, to have that on um, Google or Amazon, you know, because they're going to look you up. They're going to do some background. They're going to do some research. And if they see you're an author, it gives you a little stamp of, uh, I don't know, maybe not approval, but wow, this guy's a legit guy. He's real. So for me, um, the book is one of the greatest things that I ever did. Now, 
I say that because I had to get some stuff off my chest from a personal basis because after college, it's a real rough road. And I said, if I can write a book for somebody who's just getting out of college, who's in a midlife crisis, who maybe got a divorce and give them some tools to just get their life on track. That was my main motivation. It goes hand in hand with the behavioral side of the business. It's only the last chapter where I talk about financial planning and what to do with your money. Um, I happened to also get picked up by the Miami Herald, which said Miami Finance Whiz teaches you how to be a beast in life. That was uh, wow. You, know, you, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't pay for that type of marketing. So, wow. yeah, when you look me up, that that comes up. That's you know that would be a hundred thousand dollars worth of marketing right there just to get that out in the uh, PR world. Absolutely. So I, I, yeah, I, I loved it. You know, I, I love every, every part of it. And I go back to the book myself. You oh. know, everybody has peaks and valleys. When I hit a valley, I got to go back and I listen to my own audio book. Nice. Well, let's talk about the book. Uh, how long did it take you to write? Well, it was a lifetime venture right, right after college. Your whole life, it's a book about my whole life. And then I interview about seven or eight different people that are operating at a level where you, you just look at them and you're just like, how do they operate at that level from a discipline? They're doing whether it's you know a hundred mile run, you know, um, or or a uh, master black belt in jujitsu uh, trained under Helio Gracie or Jocko Willink. These are just individuals that I find are operating at a you know, 10x from the average person. Now, I, I'm not there yet. I try to get there. Um, my goal, though, is, you know, if everybody has a scale one to 10, um, what God gives you as gifts, you want to keep applying as much pressure to get to number 10 as you can on your scale. And that's really what the book is about, making the best version of yourself. And then, you know, life is going to hit you over the head, you know, 10 ways till Sunday. But if you can handle that and you can get through that, you always come out, you know, the other side, such a better person, stronger, and you know, hopefully even a little wealthier in our line of work. Yeah. Now you just said something, before we get back to some of the standard questions that I asked during this podcast, you used a very specific phrase there that harkens me back to uh, a gentleman named uh, Dan Sullivan. Uh, have you gone through any coaching programs like that with the, the 10X thing that you talked about, or where did that come from? Um, I, I, I never did any type of coaching programs with Dan Sullivan, but in today's world, you know, there's not a day that goes by where I don't pop you know, a podcast on, mm. and uh, whether that's Spartan Up, whether that's, you know, Gary V, whether that's, you know, Dan Sullivan, you, you, know, mm -hmm. you, you, you catch all these things. So you mentioned Dan Sullivan, but all this, all the, you know, positive, motivational, you know, great podcast speakers, book writers out there. It's a very similar story. Totally. Right? It's just getting on. Yeah. It's getting on that, that lane of the highway. It's pretty much pretty repetitive. It's just, who do you like to hear Absolutely. from the most? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That, that was a wildly insightful thing. And I'm, I'm very happy that you said that because I think our listeners a lot of times think that they have to, uh, you know, t like Gary V toe the Gary V line. Well, some people might not like his approach. There are many other people who still have a very powerful message that might be a little bit more in your highway lane. That was freaking awesome. Okay. What are some of the marketing ideas that you have used in the past that have really worked well for you? 
So one one of the most important thing before you get into any type of um, you know so called marketing is really being yourself, uh, putting yourself out there and being involved. Uh, whether that's you know getting out to a community event, meeting people, being yourself. I hate networking more than anyone, but I do love building relationships. So quite often I'll be on the tennis court. I'm friends with everyone on the tennis court. I do jujitsu after work. You know, I'm friendly with everyone in jujitsu. What I'm trying to get at is when you're out there and you're putting yourself, you know, in different types of groups that you really enjoy, uh, people then start to ask questions. They talk to you. And two of my biggest and best clients came off of a tennis court. So that that piece of marketing that you control, that that you're in, it's in your in your hands. You really got to focus on that. I I really enjoy it. And, you know, it's a team, right? My wife, my kids, where you live, the car you drive. It's all part of, you know, the marketing and in in financial advisory as a family man. So when I do marketing on Instagram, I find that's my best medium. Facebook to me, um, you know, I just try not to be um, and they say you should do everything. But I, I just I've gravitated towards Instagram the most. And the Instagram stories, I try to get a story up every day. Hmm. My my theme is more about the family, exercising, working out. Again, the behavioral finance side of it, because no one wants to be shoved down their throat while they're scanning through Instagram. You know how rich you're going to be if you follow Lonnie Gordon O'Golnick's financial plan. It's just kind of annoying. So I take the road less traveled where I'm trying to motivate people. I'm trying to live a life where they might want to emulate, question me. And again, once you have people in your hemisphere that want to be friends with you, you want to be friends with them. Eventually, finance comes up and and you're their guy. Right. I feel weird because I I don't think I even asked you the title of your book because you just brought it up again. What's the title of your book? We're going to make sure that there's links to your books in the show notes. And I had that planned already, but what is the name of your book? So the title is The Heart of a Beast. Um, I, I thought it was important to get the hard part in there mm-hmm. because I think everything comes from your heart, right? So the heart of a beast, the beast meaning, you know, people who are, you know, working or striving to be that, you know, lion of their jungle, the, the best version of them. And then the undertitle would be surviving in the lone wolf economy. I've always been a little bit of a lone wolf. Um, it's a double-edged sword. Lone wolf in not many partners, but I have a ton of partners. What I mean by that is I operate, I'm a CEO, I'm the main guy. I, I go out in the field every day without depending on anyone else for you know my success. But at the same time, I use my partners in asset management. I use my accounting team. I use you know a, an algorithm portfolio strategy. That group is helping me, Corey Hofstein at Newfound. So there's all different partners. You're never alone. But at the end of the day, you have to take control of your destiny and the lone wolf economy, meaning don't depend on others. Take control of your, you know, your destiny. That's really where that you know, came from. Have you done anything marketing wise that you were like, man, I shouldn't have done that? Um, no, I never really would have said I should never have done that uh, because, you, you know, you always learn if there was a mistake made. Um, you know, I was recently, you know, at a, uh, you know, very high net worth 
uh, event in Aspen, Colorado, and my childhood favorite hockey player, Ty Domi, was there. And, and it wasn't the type of event where you take pictures, but I couldn't help it. I was like, Ty, I need a picture from you. This is a kid who I grew up with in Nassau Coliseum, and he was, you know, a ranger. And you know, I, it was just one of those things, you know, growing up as a hockey player, I, I, I just loved, you know, everything about the sport. And he was my idol. So I thought about it afterwards when I was walking away, like, well, that probably people looked at me weird, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's who I am. I wanted a picture with him and, you know, I don't regret it. Yeah. Well, in learning from you might put, yeah, might put a cat, might put it in a category of like other people might have been like, really, did he just take a picture with Ty? You know, (laughs) but whatever. It is what it is. You know what? There are best uh, producers who've come on this show. They answer the question that way, Lonnie. Uh, it's because it's always a learning experience. If you look at something as a failure, well, then you didn't learn anything from it. I love that. You know, even with little things like that, that you're going to be able to tease stuff out and say, okay, you know what? I, this is what I learned from it. I might not do it again, but I did learn from it, which is going to make me a better human. Now, best marketing idea today. What are you doing today when you go out into the field that is allowing you to kill it, which is why you're on this show? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I'd have to say what I'm doing right now is pretty active on Instagram stories and Instagram. I have a little podcast that I created called the OG money podcast. My last name is Ogolnik. So my buddy's called me OG. And, you know, I try to get once a week or once every other week, just some motivational stuff that came from the book. Um, again, focusing on life and, and, living and just like you said, you know, learning from your mistakes, discussing that on the OG Money podcast on Instagram. Now, I would love to have my own podcast. I just don't know, you know, the structural, do I have time? Do I want to really focus on that versus, you know, new accounts, new money, my business? Because I know it's a bit of work. So I just took Instagram and I started doing the OG Money podcast. This is my own little fun thing, but I'm finding feedback that people like it. And staying out in front of people on Instagram, um, I'm trying to grow it. I should be doing more of that. Um, it's just, um, I, I would say from compliance standpoint, there's some hurdles. You, mm-hmm. you got to be careful in this line of work with specific things. So um, if I had to say right now, it's Instagram. If I could tell you what I wish it was, I would have my own podcast. Gotcha. But I'm not there yet. Well, I will be. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that you're bringing up the whole Instagram thing, because the next question really is about execution. And you just uh, highlighted something that's very important. If you are going to take on a new venture, you need to make sure that you have the time, the space, the mental space, and the capacity to execute it seamlessly over time. How are you doing that with Instagram? Um, I mean, do you just block out time on your, uh, your calendar every day? Is it just something that you're on Insta all the time? Help me with that. No, so Instagram's cool because it's a picture. You know, you can have a lot of different pictures and you just select and throw a picture up that day. Uh, the Instagram stories is only about, you know, you can make it as long and short as you want, but you want to get that, you know, at least, you know, that 16 second clip out at least once a day. Um, people want to see you, they want to hear from you. And as long as you're in front of people and, you know, contrary, my wife sometimes says, put the phone down or what have you. But at the end of the day, I explained to my wife, if I can reach 2000 people and it hits a chord with five of them and somebody reaches back to me and one of them becomes a client, 
it's a really quick way to get you know active and acclimated with a whole group of individuals quickly. And you know, again, it's I'm still small. I don't pay to you know get a lot of followers. I, it's just a little organic thing that I'm starting to grow. But it's a great way to reach people fast. Awesome. That's yeah. Um. Well, and you're really looking at it from the organic cumulative standpoint, which is we all know from a marketing perspective that that really is the best way to go because you're going to be attracting the right people. It might not be copious amounts of people, but the right people. Now, yeah. if you had one piece of advice for new advisors, what, what would it be? Uh, well, so if you're right out of the gates, or I'll even go one step further, if you're in college and thinking about going into finance, um, or you just got licensed and you're in finance, I would probably say immediately take that certified financial planning exam. It's something that I missed in my little uh, youth, but um, it's pretty intense, so it's hard. And you're going to take at least two years out of your life to pass that exam. Some schools offer it in college, but at the end of the day, if you can get it early before you have kids and a wife and running to soccer games and tennis practice and all that, well, it's easier now than later on. Um, and you know, the certified financial planner, I, I, I don't have it. Um, I know, you know, the biggest advisor in our business, Edelman doesn't have it. It's not a requirement, but without a doubt, um, I think we're moving into a world where just having the designation does give you a little bit of a, an advantage in a world where people want to see some, you know, CFP next to your, uh, name. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end all be all. But it's definitely good if you can get that early on. Um, it's it's not going to, you know, you still got to put in the hours, put in the work. It's not going to really help you if you're not willing to put in the work. But it's nice to have, I would say. What keeps you motivated and working so hard every day? Without a doubt, my kids and my wife, I think that, uh, you know, the world's on your shoulders, especially in a business that, you know, overnight, at least for me, two times we watched uh, the financial crisis of 2001, the financial crisis of 2008-9. You know, it's a very, very difficult uh, market environment. You know, we live in a world today where, you know, the markets can change on a tweet. Uh, before the tweet, uh, it was the quantitative easing and what the Fed was going to do or not do. You know, so there's just we live in this world of constant um, stresses to the market and debt and all that. Um, so y you better stay uh, focused, work hard, especially if you want to live um, a financial free uh, lifestyle. And make sure your children, you know, have what they need. Um, and you're, you know, you, whether you say, you know, half the divorces happen over money. You know, I don't want to get divorced, so. I want to make sure, you know, I'm protecting my family. So it's it's really at the end of the day, it's about providing for my family, making sure uh, my family has what they need. But you have to make sure you take care of your clients, make sure they have what they need. And when you're a fee-based financial advisor, that loops back. You have loyal clients and then you could do well. Uh, so, you know, it's really at the end of the day, making sure your clients are really taken care of. You really... Uh, need to have a good relationship and grow with them. And then at the end of the day, if you take care of them, they always come back and take care of you. Lonnie, this was like a perfect podcast. You, you gave great advice. 
we've got a link for uh, your book, The Heart of a Bee, Surviving in the Lone Wolf Economy. We'll make sure that that's in the show notes. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? No. I mean, I think you uh, you hit on all cylinders. And, um, you know, uh, I was happy that, uh, you know, you asked me to do this. And uh, I look forward to possibly circling back around again in the future. And, yeah. And uh, I... Yeah, I had a lot of fun. And uh, this is always great to do from my side because it also lets me clear my head and think about things like what you just talked about. It reinforces what uh, what I've got to do. Absolutely. Well, this was super, super awesome. I'd love to check back in with you and see what you're doing uh, later down the road. Uh, but uh, if you have not already gone to Amazon.com uh, and purchased the book, Heart of the Beast, Surviving in the Lone Wolf Economy, make sure that you click uh, the link that we have in the show notes, uh, you should definitely pick up Lonnie's book. Uh, he's also the CEO of Gordon Wealth uh, Financial Life Advisors. Uh, you can check him out. We'll also make sure that we have a link to his website. So Lonnie, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I appreciate that. And if they want to find me on Instagram and chat, say hello. It's uh, just at Gordon Wealth. Wonderful. All right, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know anybody who would really like to hear this podcast, sharing it is also super easy. If you have any topic ideas or guest ideas, please reach out to your WealthVest uh, marketing consultant. They will make sure that uh, they get that information to the team that handles these podcasts. So we'd love to find out what you want to hear. So for everybody at Gordy, uh, Gordon Wealth and for everybody at WealthVest, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing do not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.